Welcome to episode 12 of the Armchair Critics podcast. We're the underqualified experts who discuss all things sport, work and life with little to no background or supporting evidence. I'm joined by Jack. How are you, Sean? Mate, I'm pretty well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Can't complain. Not too bad for a Wednesday. It's a habit I've gotten into saying as well. I got corrected on the phone by a customer for saying I'm good when the correct terminology, I guess, if I want to spit it out, is I'm well. Because you... You're not supposed to feel good. You're supposed to feel well. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, so, well, each to their own, hey? An old age pensioner gave me a nice little life lesson that I didn't ask for, so... Fair. Did you put their claim at the bottom of the list? No. Should have. <laughs> it was rejected anyway. Alaggy. <laughs> <laughs> enough work, chat. Nice. Um, well, we'll probably uh, jump straight into cricket for this week. Um, so we've had another pretty shattering week in the cricket fraternity, I suppose, with the shock passing of Andrew Simons. That's fucking sad. Again. Sucks, mate. Yeah. Especially as Pericloin is here, but just in general. Yeah. It's no good. Just, nah. I mean, look, and, you know, after the, the kind of past six weeks that we've had with Rod Marsh and then Shane Warne obviously suddenly passing away to... See, this one, it's nearly, oh, I'm not going to say more devastating than Shane Warne, but it's, it's up close. there. It is up there. Because he's just like one of the larger than life characters in cricket, isn't he? And he's, and right, he's right now a generation of watching cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Up. We pretty much it, grew up with him. In, in fact, I can probably, like he was, you know, five or six years after Warney. So you could pro- like I could you could probably relate to him more. Like I probably remember watching him play more than I remember Warney playing. Um, and just some of the, the freakish things that he could do on a cricket field were just unbelievable. And there's been a lot of people describe him as probably the best athlete to have ever played cricket. Yep, like I tend to agree. Genetically gifted athlete. He's six foot four, fit as fuck, built like a British shit house. I learned. Just super, super athletic. I only found out this week that he was born in England. He was born in Birmingham. Um, and was a, a brummy. And adopted too. So his parents... Um, his, well, parents, the mum and dad that he would call mum and dad are, um, yeah, his adoptive parents. Um, so I grew up in Charters Towers, so up north. Yeah. Um, just and just like your stereotypical country boy, wasn't he? Like he just hated living in the city. Just you know, never quite fit with him. And any spare time that he ever had, he was out fishing or yeah, catching stuff or killing stuff. He uh, <laughs> he summed it up as, which you know, pretty much sums up uh, what he was doing. So. Um, but yeah, 50k south of Townsville, rolled his car, and and that was it. So um, pretty sad, and like a lot of us will remember how talented that he was. But I just got a couple of things to mention here that his output um, on the cricket field was also very, very good. Um, so 2003 World Cup, um, Tuck he, up first game, didn't he? Well, he was not even expecting to be picked. So this is he was, I think, 26. No, he must have been younger than that. Anyway, he was quite young. Um, not played a heap of games for Australia. And there were some good names that got left out of that World Cup squad. He wasn't expecting to get picked. Then when he did get picked, he wasn't expecting to play. But then um, just before the first game, Darren Lehman got rubbed out through a suspension. Michael Bevan tore his calf. And Shane Warne got sent home. So all of a sudden, they're... Squad went from a squad to a team, basically, um, and went out. And I'm not sure whether it was in the first game. It may. Oh, yeah, it was actually Australia's opening match against Pakistan. Stats man, right here. That's it. Made 143. Um, so, and that was you know Pakistan featuring Wazim Akram, who was fairly handy. <laughs> only, only one of the best ever. Yeah. So, um, which at the time it was the highest score by an Australian at a, at a World Cup ever, which it's, it's since been broken by. Adam Gilchrist and possibly David Warner as well. You'd have to check me on that, but um, yeah, phenomenal. Some like I've already mentioned, his uh, uh, it's been circulating over the last couple of days. Um, his highlights package with just runouts, unbelievable, ridiculous. Some of the stuff that he managed to pull off, he, like the one-handed catches, the runouts, the direct hits from point on multiple oh. occasions. Like full peg on yeah. the run. And guys have just given up. They're just yeah. like, oh, this is just going to be out. Like they, no they, they, look, they can see to their left who has it. Yeah. And, and they're just like, like, oh, I'm cooked. <laughs> so um, he has the uh, highest average um, in men's ODI World Cups ever by any player with a minimum of 500 runs. So Rohit Sharm, and I'll, I'll count up. So the top six, you've got David Warner, Viv Richards, Michael Clark, AB de Villiers and Rohit Sharma. 
as your six up to two. Rohit Sharma in second averages 65.2. Oh, that's pretty, outrageous. Pretty <laughs> handy. Andrew Simons averaged 103 in World Cup. So that's, that. you know, it kind of speaks testament of, of what a player he was. Obviously played in a very strong era, but played in a role where he was the finisher. So, and, you know. That could and, counteract to him too, playing that strong era. He might not get a go. Absolutely. Might not get enough time at the crease. Yeah, exactly. So, and he might come in with five overs to go and has, has to have a go, you know, early. And and, has to do the team thing and just try, either try and hit a six or get out. Yeah, exactly. So, which he can um, do. But then, of his career, you know, people will remember him for his limited overs stuff, but he averaged over 40 in Test cricket. Um, averaged. Uh, basically 40 in one-day cricket over uh, nearly 200 one-dayers. And then in a short T20 career across 14 games, um, averaged 48. Oh. So he was pretty handy. Um, made 800s and 42.50s for Australia. Also claimed 165 wickets. Then also had a pretty handy stint in the IPL. Played 40 matches in the IPL. Made 1,000 runs at 36. Had 105.50s. Um, so just a, a guy who, for all the, I suppose, off-field controversy that happens throughout his career, particularly later in his career, um, people will forget how good his output was for Australia and how, if he was playing now, like he went, he was one of the guys that are, he went for uh, over a million bucks in the first IPL auction, which back then was outrageous even for the IPL. Mm. Like him, MS Dhoni were like the two highest paid guys in the, in the IPL. Well, he could do it all. Yeah, and like literally, like bowling, he could bowl whatever you wanted. Bowl offies, bowl meds. He could bat at the top. He could bat in the middle, and he could, could field, field actually up. anywhere. Yeah. Like, had buckets for hands. Just a general athlete. So, uh, like a carbon copy for what you would want out of a perfect T Twenty player. Really, just he was blockbuster. You had to watch. Another one of these guys. You just if he was on, if he was playing on TV, you had to watch. Um, also, pretty talented uh, in other areas as well. Um, that he nearly. Defected to go and play for the Broncos. Yeah, I was earlier in up. his career. No, that's mental. Bennett yeah. come out and said it. I was, yeah, he was like, yeah, and I was a tailed him an offer. Yeah, and well, it was more like he was kind of struggling for Queensland, not playing that well. Nearly was you know pretty close to getting dropped from the Shield side, um, and trained with the Broncos a couple of times just as you know fitness and a bit of fun or whatever, um, and said to yeah Wayne Bennett like you know if I if I wanted to actually have a crack at footy. Do you reckon I could do it? And Bennett pretty much said, "Mate, I'd give you a contract yesterday." So, um, just a just a freak of an athlete and uh, another another legend taking way 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 too soon. So mm. devastating. Sucks. Um, moving on to uh, something slightly perkier in the IPL. Good rat, my boys locked up a top two spot. <laughs> so um, they've gone all right. Uh, started winning. Again, they've won the last two or three games in a row. Are they still trying to set targets? Uh, no, they're chasing oh, a lot now. They've just accepted that's what they're good at. Pretty much, yeah, which is smart because it's what they're good at. Um, Matt Wade back in the side, batting three, not keeping. Because um, Saha's actually going okay. So Matt Wade's just come back into the team as a bat. A um, couple of small knocks, nothing really of note. Um up to this point, hopefully keeps getting a run. Yeah, I reckon they probably will rotate a bit now. Like they probably might go back to trying to set titles to prepare. Yeah, they might do. Because um, yeah, they're guaranteed a top two spot. They'll be. I think they've only got one or two games left, so they might um, give themselves a crack at, at setting some totals. But um, Tim David went off last night, made forty six oh. off eighteen balls. Still couldn't get him home. It's good viewing though. Yeah, hits a serious bomb. So he's probably playing himself into another contract for next year. To be fair. Because I think up to this point, you could see a little bit the same kind of thing is happening or happened last year with Riley Meredith, where he went for over a million bucks last year off the back of a really good IPL, did dog shit in the IPL. Oh, sorry, off the back of the Big Bash. Yeah. Did shit in the IPL and now he's come back on a much smaller contract. And better wickets to bowl on. Yeah, and better wickets to bowl on and he's probably performing better. I think the same thing will probably happen with Tim David. The value, I don't, the value will kind of level out a bit. I do, yeah, I don't think he's worth 1.5 million bucks anymore. I'm not saying that he was or wasn't when he got picked up, but I think you'll probably see him go for a contract roughly around half that next year, which he's not going to complain about. No. But some team is going to look at him and go, 
he's worth 750 or 800k. They'll start, they'll start paying to not play against him still. And then it'll get to the price range where they're priced out. Exactly. Go, Thanks. Exactly. So um, good for him, though. Really, really good to see. Um, killing it. Mumbai just keep losing, though, which is good. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's all getting pretty close at the top. Really, the top four is pretty much all set. Um, Luck now should qualify as well. So both the new teams will qualify for the finals their first year with uh, Royal Challengers or one, two of Royal Challengers, Rajasthan. I think Delhi are probably still in the running there as well. What do you think Lucknow did differently to your boys that has hurt them? Um, or just the players aren't playing as well? Because they both had the equal opportunity to draft how they want. They, they did. Have the same retention issues everyone else had. Um, I Why don't, is one going so much better than the other? I don't think their bowling attack is as good. Um but I also think that the conditions really suit Gujarat at the moment. They've got some absolute speedsters, and they're playing on wickets that are pretty conducive to that kind of bowling. Like Lockie Ferguson and Alzari Joseph are two of the fastest, like three or four bowlers in the comp, playing on greener wickets against guys who aren't used to that kind of pace, and they're just killing it. They're just carving it up. So, um, And also some of the guys that um, Luck now picked up to bat in the middle order in particular... Probably they've probably overpaid, and so they're a little bit lower on talent through the middle order. Marcus Stoinis is a great player, but there is no way that he should have been one of the first guys they picked up. Yeah, like you probably could have got him later anyway. Yeah, exactly right. And and they paid like two million bucks for him. Like they paid massive money for for him. He's he going to the auction. Yeah, he is, and getting carved all over the park. So um, and laughing it off. But they I mean, their their top order talent's good. Um, and their spin bowling is quite good, but their bowling, their fast bowling stocks are probably not quite, not quite as good as Gujarat, which I think is making a difference. So that's the main point of difference, you reckon? I reckon, yeah. Um, but Gujarat, I reckon, have just got a better balanced side. I'm not a massive KL Rahul fan either. I think he he comes up with some really good stuff, but I think he gets a massive opportunity at the top of the order, and a lot of the time soaks up too many balls. Um, Quinton de Kock also isn't scoring that many runs, which hurts them. Because he's a massive weapon when he's scoring runs at the he's top. He's a gun. He's a gun. He hits the ball so clean and he's just not really doing much yet. So probably um, put a few teams on notice if they've got to play him in the finals because he's the kind of guy that could just make 80 off 30 and uh, Knock you and out. just and, yeah, and completely take the game away from you. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. So um, And the last bit of cricket news, I suppose, this broke last week um, that Chris Lynn was not re-signed by the Brisbane Heat. Um, so, Sean, I just wanted to get your thoughts surrounding that. Good move, bad move? I think long run, good move. Like, obviously, he's been with us since the start. And, like, we all love watching him play in the Heat jersey, but it probably frees up a lot of other blokes now. Yeah. Maybe I, a bit of short-term pain for a long-term gain. Yeah. I just... I, as far as I'm concerned, I reckon he's been... Uh, I mean, he's been the Heat's best player in the franchise by a stretch. And I think he's being scapegoated a little bit here. Possibly, but like we have a lot, especially in Queensland, there's a lot of younger guys coming through now. I think they'll come through and get more opportunity. And again, we might come last if the Renegades don't beat us to it in the next couple of years. But yeah. Flagging yeah. flag the next five years. I don't know. I just think he seems like like a really good leader around the younger guys. That And he's a pretty big liability in the field. He is, um, but I mean, you, we all see what he can do with the bat, and yeah. it's not as if his last few seasons have been diabolical. It's just not quite to the standard so of like BBL 07 Chris Lynn, yeah. where he was the best player it's in the his, comp. It's his own standards, but in saying that, like, if they're going to get rid of Lynn, they better make some good moves. They've already missed John O'Wells. I'm not saying it's a like for like. Have they? Didn't he go to Perth? Or was that just woo-woo? No, I don't think he signed anywhere well, yet. Well, they better get someone... They better get a couple of good players to make up for it, especially in the middle. Yeah. If you're going to oh, play... Oh, no. Well, they should get Usman Khawaja. Yeah. So, if they get Uzi, that's great. Like, that's a good move. But I still think they need someone else in that middle, like a John O'Wells, like we said a few episodes ago, to make up for that lack of potential 80 off 30 Chris Lynn from BBL 7. Yeah. And just get a more balanced squad. Because... I think our bowlers are getting better and better. Like, Xavier's proven himself more and more. Um, we've still got Steckity, who, when he's not playing higher or is available more, it's quality. Do we keep Majib? That, I don't know if we kept Majib. 
Um, we played for him last year. I, I haven't seen the updated contract lists or anything. I just thought it was a really not bizarre move, but because uh, there was writing on the wall because he's just played out this huge contract. He hadn't come up with an extension last year, which a lot of teams seem to be doing. Yeah. Resigning guys during the year. Just to, getting it sorted. To, yeah, getting it sorted and out of the way. So I, th- I don't. It didn't come as a great surprise to me that they didn't re-sign him. I think they definitely had to do something and at least try and move towards the future. But in saying that, as you said, if Lynn's great around the blokes and maybe he's just priced himself out of a contract too. Maybe, maybe, and maybe you know, there'll say. be other suitors. Like there's absolutely no doubt that he'll get another gig somewhere. Imagine him at the gauge with Sauce and Finch. Yeah, that'd be a pretty. F- Pretty powerful top three, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, that's definitely viable. What if the Renegades get Lynn and Wells? Because there was rumours that the Renegades are going after Wells as well. That'd be a pretty handy top four. Um, they'd have to set 200. Yeah. Like, their best bowler is Cameron Boyce. Don't you dare say a bad word about Cameron Boyce. I love that man. I just said he's the best bowler. What do you mean? Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, actually, and I've just actually been sent a message by Richard. Um, England have announced their test squad for the first two tests against New Zealand. Have we spoken about Baz McCullum? Oh, we haven't either. Um, yeah, Brendan, what do you think? Good signing? Great signing. Mate, love great it. Great signing. Me and Snides had a good chat about it. Like, yeah. he, he's like... This is Incredible cricket brain. He's like had a massive amount of experience across, especially all forms. I know it's yeah. just for test cricket, but like to get someone from outside the system to come in and see what's wrong, I think that'll benefit them a lot. Yeah. And he's just the way he talks and views and like when he's led other teams, he's... Seems he, like a great cricketing mind. Yeah, and he's... He always tactician. Ha- he always has a great sense of direction. Yeah. Like there's no gray area when he's spoken in the past. So and, I you, think- and you can see that by the way that he used to play his cricket is that he just like, he wanted to have a crack. Yep. Like regardless of who they were playing, what format they were playing, just have a crack. And I genuinely, I do think that that kind of mentality is going to help England yes. a lot. So that's a, he's on a four-year deal doing the test cricket. Their one day, their Whipple cricket's not been sorted yet, but yep. that's the two-way, two-way race now between Paul Collingwood and Matthew Mott. Really? Yeah. It came wow. out today. So it's either Mott or Collingwood at this stage. Motty, who is the current Australian women's coach. He's been there since 2013. Yeah. Fair so, amount of success there too, you'd have to say. Yeah, 100%. Also holds the uh, grade record for the highest partnership um, in Queensland grade cricket. For the Dolphins? With Andrew Simons. There cool. Fun fact for you. Um, but this England squad, so obviously Ben Stokes, captain. Ben Folks is the only keeper they've taken. So that That's is a good news. for the armchair critics. Joss Butler not in there. Um, Are you surprised by that? Nope, nope. Ollie Robinson, not picked. Because he's shit. Um, Anderson and Broad both back in. Matthew Potts has been named in his first squad. He is currently the leading wicket taker in the county. I was about to scream out. Who? But plays for Durham, who play in Div Div (laughs) 2. So, again, and Harry Brook also, who's quite young. He He came out and played for the the Hurricanes, Hurricanes, I think. Yeah. Didn't do great, um, but he has scored 800 runs already what in the county season one. Nice. Playing for Surrey. Sometimes the numbers can be a bit deceiving, though, when they play for Surrey because they play at Lords and it's a road. Like, Ollie Pope averages 70 for Surrey playing at home. who And he's also in the squad. So, um, I mean, back to... And, yeah, hey, Broad Anderson both back in. Jack they? Leach is the only spinner. I was going to say, what about Matt Parkinson? Where are they playing? Is it at home or away? It is, I believe, in England. Would have to be in England coming into the winter. Against? New Zealand. Um, oh. But very interesting. That I can't believe they've not, not picked Mac Parkinson again. His stats have been phenomenal this year in the county to start for Lanks. Um, and I, oh, I just don't see... I suppose playing in home conditions, you know, they just probably want a spinner who's going to be able to dry it up at one end. And they'll just attack with Broad Anderson um, at the other end. And Actually, that, oh, and Craig Overton's there as well. So they've picked four quicks in that squad. I think Overton's mildly underrated. I think you're probably right because apparently he's a shit bloke. <laughs> apparently he's a real shit bloke, but he's quite a good cricketer, but it tends to get overlooked because he's a fuckhead. But <laughs> Where'd you hear that? Oh, I've got it on good sources um, from Dickie. Mayonnaise. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but yeah, interesting that they've not gone with Matt Parkinson again. Hopefully Ben Folks gets a good run. It will be very interesting. I think Stokes and McCullum, that combination will work well. I reckon they'll get on two Kiwis. Should be good. 
Yeah, and again, they're both massive competitors. Yeah, just Stokes like aggressive, is... positive-minded kind of guys. So hopefully, um, hopefully England play some good cricket. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, I think everyone will. It'll really make the next Ashes ripper. Going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, we'll probably move over to overrated, underrated. Um, so, Sean, do you want to kick us off, mate? Because I'll need a minute to find one. Yeah, that's all right. So the first one is hoodies. Underrated. Massively overrated. What? What do you mean? They're so annoying. As in the hood parts? Yeah. You don't even notice they're there, mate. Yeah, dude. The drawstrings hang down. What do you mean? They suck. They're often ugly as well. Like you can get the... That's because you've got a shit fashion sense. No, mate. You're in here wearing some flannelette looking fucking shirt. It's Blue Check's work shirt. It's Tommy Hilfiger. What do you mean they're overrated? They are so overrated. Oh, they're so comfy, man. But so are V-neck jumpers, and they oh, look better. Fuck. Like most hoodie designs are shit. No, that's not true either. You just got to find the right ones, mate. I've not seen a hoodie in the last ten years where I've gone, "Ooh, that looks good." That's woo woo. It's not woo woo. Whatever. No, it's well, my truth. Agree to disagree. We'll put a poll out this week. We'll put a poll out on Instagram. Oh god, that's horrific. Uh, Jimmy Butler. Go on. Overrated. What? <laughs> oh, finally, we're going to disagree. Uh, no, I disagree. He is massively underrated. In Especially in the regular season, he's quite massively overrated. But even we're seeing now he's paid for the playoffs as well because he's lifted a lot. Yeah. And I, we had this a little mini conversation via Facebook today about it. He um His stats are huge. Like He's having a great playoff series, but it's a small sample size. Jimmy over an extended sample size consistently... Isn't a great performer. Yeah, I, I think if you looked at it, look but, over his career, I don't think any of his seasons in the last like six years would have differed a whole lot. He's just like a twenty-five and five guy. Yeah, over the max amount of games he's played in the last four years is fifty-five as well in the regular season. Really? So you need to consider how much money he's getting paid and the output you get during the year. But then, in saying that, I'm going to argue against myself. You look at this playoff series and you can go, fair enough. That's why you get that contract. And yeah. he's a great guy. Yeah, good guy, good locker room guy. Have you some of the stuff he does off the field for like random people and stuff is unbelievable. Yeah, and all of his teammates rave about him. Like even um even past after they knocked the Philly 76ers out, Joel Embiid came out and said, "Yeah, I wish Jimmy Butler was still here." So, did which which his, kind of speaks volume. Did you see his spat Yeah, um, Tobias the, Harris over me. Yeah, which is bloody ridiculous. That's all time. That, mm-hmm. pi- that piece of audio is all time. I love that. I love that kind of shit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think he's just a battler. Eh? He's just like had everything thrown at him his entire life. Yeah. And, and he just keeps rising to the top. Mate, he's just killing it. And I, I think when Miami first signed him to that massive deal, everyone's like, why the hell would you sign him? He's to a Miami max? guy. If you think about it, like he's, yeah, but everyone's going, love he's, like, he's not a one. He's not a one. Like, he cannot be your best player on a championship team. And I don't think that's correct. No, he's, he's proving the doubters wrong once yeah. again, which is good. But like I still, he, I still that, think he's overrated. That team two years ago that he dragged to the finals, the bubble year, that lost to the Lakers in six in the finals. Yeah. How the hell they even got there was unbelievable. Bam was only in his second year. Tyler Hero was a rookie. Kendrick Nunn was a rookie. Like, you know, Goran Dragic was already getting old. Like, it's just... The guys that he managed to pull together and drag all the way to finals was un- like LeBron esque. Yeah, no, like the it, lack of talent that he managed to get there was unbelievable, and he's not doing it again because like Neville Bam's an all star, Tyler Hero six man of the year, like and you know Kyle Lowry's there this year. They got better role players too. Like yeah, the Eric Spolster is a great coach as well. Just quietly elite. Yeah. Um, um, no, I'm going to say massively underrated. I think he's uh, one of the better guys in the league. Um, and oh, I just love him, mate. I just love how he plays. Yeah. He's just a dog. <laughs> That's fair. I'll, yeah. I still think he's overrated, but I can understand. I suppose if you look at his contract compared I'm, to some I'm, other contracts, I'm just talking like the eye test. Yeah, I'm still going overrated. Oh, fuck you then. <laughs> um, my next one for you is Oakley's Sunnies. Underrated, massively overrated. Again. Oh my god, no, massively underrated. No, um, they're casual sunnies, like they're fine, but they're sports sunnies. Oh my god, best things ever. Yeah, can't play cricket without them. More referring to the casual sunnies, but okay. 
we can go holistically, but my gripe is not so much the sports Sundays. Like sports Sundays are whatever. I don't yeah. worry because I reckon I lose twenty five uh, coordination points on my two K card when I play with Sundays on. So does it go from twenty five to zero? It goes from twenty six to one. Perfect. I don't know if you can have a zero. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but the casual Sundays, man. Like I see blokes wearing them everywhere, particularly like on the east coast of. There's like a Australia. lot. There's a lot of proper ugly ones. They're horrific. Yeah. And we got a few mates that wear them. So sticks when you're listening, they look fine on you, mate. Take that however you like. But I just can't. Do they sell? Do they sell Oakleys at servos? Yeah. Well, he gets Oakleys ripoffs. Oh right. But like that, that kind of style of sunnies, massively overrated. Eh? They never look good, eh. ever. And like the the real Oakleys, they cost like four hundred bucks. Not if you know the right people. Yeah, but like if you don't, if you're just a regular <laughs> consumer, you're paying like a yeah. fortune for these ugly looking sunnies. And if you're paying for the lens, you can get a lot cheaper. Yeah, that's fair. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, I've worn Oakleys for ages and I like them, but I definitely get where you're coming from. They are not cheap. So yes. and, But there's a lot of ugly ones. Like mine are literally sitting just here. I love mine. I love these. Yeah. There's a lot of ugly ones. Like the ones with the real thick frames up by the lenses that go thick all the way down. Yeah, just, they're, they're almost two they, thirds of the lens on the way back. Yeah. Like they they complete the wife beater look, I think. Yep. Pair, the, pair them with some uh, billabong boardies. <laughs> and, a, and a white tank top. And a tank top. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now my second one is cryptocurrency. Uh, I'm still going to go with perfectly rated. I haven't. I obviously didn't sell because why would you sell when you're losing? I don't care if I lose this money anymore. I'm not yeah. selling. <laughs> Anyone that uh, isn't up to date with the crypto market, it, about a week ago now, yeah, so absolutely shit itself. So there's a coin called Luna and it was valued at 100 US about two weeks ago. Um, and so what's what someone did, I'm putting the, the little fingers up here. The quotation marks. The quotation marks, thank you. I think it was a government of some sort. Um effectively like dumped or dumped all this like money into the into the market and it diluted the value and it plummeted in like 48 hours it went yeah it went from being worth over 100 it was, a, to it was like, about 106 us to five cents yeah and it's gone down to five decimal points with zeros now yeah so it's because it's, 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 it's got an, it's got a, 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 an alternate coin that runs to keep it at level yeah to keep its value there and so it, the algorithm will adjust it and mint more coins effectively inflating the coin to keep it at value right okay and so it's minted all these coins to the point where everyone's money's gone so ksi the youtuber lost 2.8 million dollars kept trying to buy the dip not knowing enough about what he was doing so all these coins he was buying that were getting minted are just devaluing by the second yeah as he's buying them as he's tipping his money in yeah you may as well get get your money and just tip it into the ocean yeah i think i i suppose if you really know what you're doing no one knows and watch it actively then Maybe, but I think it's massively overrated. There's a lot of people losing a lot of money in it purely yeah. based on the fact they have... Like, they're buying into the hype rather than yeah. actually doing anything yeah, yeah. smart. So, about six months ago, I had a lot of, again, quotation mark, altcoins, which were not so much the main coins. I guess they're like the... You'd have the same thing in stocks as well. Yeah. Um, they're not your blue chip white collar kind of stuff. No, no, they're your pink slips. Yeah. Yeah, so I sold them and just went back into Bitcoin and Ethereum assuming that it was going to be shit for a while and I'm not going to touch it. So I'm just going to jump on the thing and hopefully they get better in a few years. Yeah. And if it doesn't, whatever. Fair. It's still risky, but not as risky, I guess. But there's people on, like I know of that are trying to do a self, like a self-managed super fund to invest in crypto. Oh, nah. And that's, that's next level. That's gambling your future for yeah. next that's that's your next 60 years if you're our age that's oh and like no that's i can't even explain how dumb that seems we won't, to me we won't get into it fucking hell because you'll be ranting for a while jesus is it me yeah um marcus smart defensive player of the year in the nba uh i don't know whether it was overrated or underrated i think they were just wrong yeah, I think it's massively overrated. It's incredible how he got it. Yeah. He's not the best defensive player on his team. That's possibly true. So how does he win it for the... Like, the... it's just so hard to quantify, isn't it? Like, it's one of these awards where... like, There's, there's no metric that supported smart winning. It was all hype. And yeah. the league gave you it. You think Bam should have got it? Bam, yeah. Giannis. Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges. I put all three of them ahead. 
Did you say Giannis? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that, and by doing that, like, Mikhail and Giannis both cover the wing, like, like Smart does. Bam does everything. Giannis does everything. Mikhail's pretty good. He guards one to four very, very, very well. And yeah. so does Marcus, but any metric, you need that surely with an award for the biggest basketball league in the world would have a, at least a metric to back up their decision. And yeah. there's none. I think it's just, it's so unprecedented guards winning this award. He's only the second point guard ever to win it. And then dipped into the hype, but you shouldn't do that. You're, yeah. you're better than that. You're a multi, multi-billion dollar organization. Yeah. Be better. Yeah. No, and, and like he's obviously a class defender, right? But a, a lot of the way that he defends is kind of dictated by the way the team plays. It's all switching. And that's, yeah. which is fine, but you can't be the best in the league. And Bam switches as well, but Bam at least gets the stop. Yeah. I think, um, oh, I don't know. It's so, it honestly, I find it so hard not to give Giannis all of the awards. Yeah, he's just that good, and that's fine. But I'd still, if that's the case, you'd pick Bam because they're probably neck and neck. Anyway, yeah. we'll talk about sport later. Uh, my last one is playing sport in the rain. Underrated. <sighs> Only sport you don't want to play in the rain that I've played is probably cricket. Or playing baseball. sport in the rain sucks. No, dude. What do you mean? Playing footy with the boys. Nah, mate. We money. played hockey on the weekend in the pissing rain. First game, it peed with rain for the first half. Then the sun came out in the second half. This is and was steaming hot. This must be while you were sick. <laughs> and in the last game, it just peed with rain the whole time, and it was windy. So the whole second half, you've just got like this really shit kind of heavy rain, like just come straight in your eyes. Do you wear some zogs? Nah, mate. <laughs> Kareem, nah. And Shout out Zogs if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, good people. Uh, no, I, I hate playing sport in the rain. I actually can't stand it. Have, have you played footy in the rain though? No. Do I look like I've ever played a game of footy in my life? No, well, you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're five foot two and no bones in your body. Yeah, it's fair. No, I'm all bones, mate. It's all from drinking that, uh, all the calcium. Right. But, uh, no, I hate playing sport in the rain. It's just totally goes against I th- what I try and do. No, that's fair. I think it depends on the sport as well. I've not played hockey before in my life, but I can't imagine it being fun. It's not fun at the best of times, eh? Yeah. It just fucking hurts. Uh, all right, that's all we've got, mate. So we'll head over into general sport. You can take me now. I have seen it all. Uh, did you want to cover the NBA first or do we want to go straight into the football? Let's go to the NBA. We've, we've kind of touched on it already. Right, eh? Well, we'll go quickly into the fact that we're going to have a new champion this year. Bucks are out. It hurt. It sucks because it could have been. It's already a great series, but if yeah. they had, if Bucks had Chris Middleton, and you had the best of both teams, I still think it would have gone seven. I think it would have gone seven too, but um, it just like having when you have the best of each each teams going at each other, it just makes it a lot better. There's, I'm not saying there's an asterisk now, yeah. but no, it, it, there is. If, it's kind of hard because but, generally, like the rule of thumb is that if you have the best player in the series, you win. Because generally to get to that, like by the time you're into the second round and stuff like that. It's serious. Because, yeah, because you've gotten so far that if your best player is better than their best player, it generally over seven games is enough. Yeah. Whereas this is one of those rare occasions where it's not. Well, Boston probably had the second, third, and maybe even the fourth best player. Yeah, maybe. They definitely had the second and third best. Yeah. But the, like Giannis was the first player ever. To have 200 points, 100 rebounds, and 50 assists in a series. Mental. Just ridiculous. Out of this fucking world. Because what happens... But then then no one else did anything. Because what happens with that Bucks lineup is you get a lot less Grayson Allen minutes who can't guard air. Yeah. And you get Chris Middleton, who's a pretty good on-ball defender, Mm -hmm. especially like around the guard. But he's just a bigger guy. He's 6'7", whereas Grayson Allen's like 6'3", 6'4". He's like our height. Yeah, and a white boy. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris... If he's not their primary scorer late in games, like he has been previously, but Giannis is a lot better now with his shooting. Yeah. He's at least now someone else you have to guard way too close. Yeah. So Grayson, all he can do is shoot. Yeah. So, and they had to play a few bigger lineups as well, which I think... It's cool to watch. Yeah, but it sort of played into the Celtics' hands. Yeah. The Celtics um, hit like 22 threes in that game seven. 
that Grant Williams hit more threes in game sevens than the Bucks did. Which is crazy. Oh, just ridiculous. So, um, in saying that, Tom Ward's you... not playing for Boston. Mm, yeah, he is. Is he? He is. The whole series? Now. Yep. He, was, he played today because um, Marcus Smart and Al Horford were both unavailable today. Yeah, I saw Tom Ward was there today. So, yeah, uh, Robert Williams played today. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, Giannis played unbelievable. Got no input from the rest of his team. The Celtics shot the lights out. I don't know whether you watched any of the game six. I didn't. I had to got, work. Got late in the game. I just watched the KO mini and it got late in the game and it was fucking unbelievable. Like Giannis and Jason Tatum just going shot for shot for shot for shot for yeah. like five minutes. Harry was, it was fucking sick. Harry was blowing my phone up because he was watching it at home. Yeah. And it's got like massive moment for Jason Tatum. He's been so good. He has been really good in the playoffs. Um, Especially since you slandered him. Nah, well, actually, I've got a point to take, like, to. A bone to pick on that point, actually, oh, because in a lot of the games, and they won the series, there were a lot of games where he was not the best player for Boston. Teamwork, brother. There's no iron team. Yeah, but there's a there's a, one of those motherfuckers in win. <laughs> no, and like he just got better, much better output out of the Jack, rest of his team yeah, than Giannis did. Particularly Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown played well. Al Horford had a thirty piece man. Yeah. Hasn't scored 30 you, points the whole fucking season. Did you see um, Horford's dunk? And he yeah, on Giannis. Giannis. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, you know, got like um, Grant Williams. There was a game where um, the two blokes that play most of their minutes off the bench, Derek White and Daniel Tice, had shot like 13 for 14 from the field. And that's the other thing I actually wanted to bring up. You just reminded me. A lot of people don't remember that Al Horford, when he was at the Hawks, was that guy. Yeah. He was incredible. He's still that guy. He's still an elite defender. Yeah, elite, elite. But he was, he's just so smart. He was man. the full package, like when he was like a bit younger. Yeah. There was nothing he couldn't really do. Like yeah. he could shoot threes still. Like this is back in like 2013, 14. Yeah, back in that Hawk, that that weird Hawks team where was, they had four all stars. Yeah, it was won t- 60 games and got swept in the fi- in the, uh, the conference finals. By, by the Cavs. Yeah. It was it was Corver, Teague, Al Horford, and Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap. Yeah. So, um, I did, like, they just got heaps of heaps of output from the rest of their team. Again, um, their new coach is doing a really good job as well, I think. Seems like he really knows what he's doing. And they're, they're playing really well. They should have won today. They should have won today. Yeah. They gave up a 20. They, they were up oh, by... It's 22 to 2, right? They were, in up, the th- they were up by 4 or 6 at halftime. Yeah, the third quarter. And at the end of the third quarter, they were down by 20 plus. Just shot themselves in the foot. So, and that was Jimmy Butler going that run. He only shot 19 times, Jimmy Butler. 41 points. That's elite. Oh, fuck. I love that guy. He hit one of the, the worst math shots of all time, though, in the fourth. The long twos. Hit a long two with one foot on the behind the three-point line over a defender. Perfect. <laughs> Swish. Blokes the goat. Let him do what he wants. Um, so, mate, who is your favorite to come out of the East and the West? Um, I still think the Celts are going to take the East. Um, it will be tough though. Miami hasn't lost. How many games? Seven. Um, and I think the Golden State will win in five against the Mavs. I'm taking Miami in six. And I will also... Oh, no. Nah, I'll take the Mavs in seven. And then I think GSW is going to take the chip. I reckon Boston. No, Miami, I mean. Um, yeah, I think Golden State will take the chip in six. I take that back. There's no way the Mavs are winning the the West. No No. fucking way. No, the Warriors win that in five or six, and Luca wins those two games for Dallas. Yeah, I think I think Warriors will steal a home game and then just ice it back home. I agree. Yep. Um, Now we'll touch on the Suns getting bundled out by the Mavs and uh, Chris Paul playing. Shocking! It hurts in the to, last five games. It just hurts to watch. It did hurt to watch. They scored twenty-seven points in the first half in Game Seven yeah. at home. They had a ten-minute second quarter, a ten-minute ten-point, ten-point second quarter, and they scored a bucket in the eighth second. They scored eight points in eleven minutes and fifty-two seconds. Unbelievable! It was just like they just all froze. They actually, like no one did anything. They all just got stage fright. It was fucked. Mm. And Luca is that guy. He is that guy. And like, he's, he, been, he's he, been that guy since he was 14. And this is, again, I'm going to attack Phoenix a bit here. So pre-draft, 
people are saying there's a lot of chat about how it may not translate from the Euros to here. But the dude was 14 to 16, demolishing fully grown men, ex-college dropouts, like G League players. Yeah, this is not in like a shit league. This, this is, is the second a, best like league. the Euros. It, yeah, like, it's the second best league in the world. He was an MVP as a 15, 16 year old. Yeah. It comes over here. So Suns have the first pick in the draft and they just hired Luca's national coach who he had a very good relationship with. So you'd think it's a consensus. Yeah, we'll take Luca first. Great relationship. We can build up from here. Nope, we'll take Sava picked Aiton because the coach was like going nuts saying, let's pick Luca, let's pick Luca. And Sava being the owner that he is. <laughs> we, and we also like poking fun at the Sacramento Kings on this podcast. Have you heard the reason why the Kings didn't draft Luca at two? No. Because Vlade Divac didn't like his dad. Yeah. So Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know much about the Sacramento Kings, that sums them up. Yeah, so the Suns have now copped their own medicine, what, four years, four or five years later? Four. Four. So they, they've passed on Luca with Luca's head coach, national head coach, and then fired his head coach that same year, picked Aiton, um, and then now just got demolished by Luca in the playoffs. Who And I mean, like, Aiton's a good player, right? They're a very good player. He will get a max extension. Luca had more rebounds than him. But uh, Luca had more points than Devin Booker. More rebounds than DeAndre Ayton, more assists than Chris Paul, and more steals than Mikael Bridges. Unbelievable. In that series. That is the definition of carrying. Unbelievable. He was fucking phenomenal. Can't like some of the some of the stuff that he comes up with on the court is just ridiculous. Like he's just so such an unassuming character. Like he doesn't look like the greatest athlete. But fuck me, can he put the thing in the thing? It's Unreal how slow his step back is and how everyone still can't defend. He still it. gets it off every time. Unbelievable. Um, and the draft lottery was today. Before we move on, we need to talk about Pat Bev's CP3 oh. slander. So Pat Bev basically coming out and keeping in mind Chris Paul, nine times all defense, seven time all defense first team. That guy. That guy. Like widely regarded as probably the best guard, one of the best guard defenders in the league for the last 10 years. Maybe not so much the last few years, but in his, like when he was Front, Since he prime. got drafted in 2005. Yeah. So probably 2007 to 2017 or 2006 to 2016. Anyway, Pat Bev just came out and basically said that CP3 can't guard anyone. He should have been benched in game six and seven and that he is like a cone on the defensive end. That's what they... Yeah, he, got, he reckons the Timberwolves call him cone, which is nuts because last time they met in the playoffs, Chris Paul put 41 on him. Seriously. And he's only picked for his defense. Yeah, and I mean... Matt Barnes actually came out and summed it up pretty well. Matt Barnes was actually surprisingly good. Yeah, it was fucking so good. It's just like basically saying, mate, you've got to calm the fuck down. No one's like, he goes, I was a little bit like Pat Bev. I was a role player. No one is going to give a fuck when he leaves the league. Everyone will be talking about Chris Paul long after he leaves the league. Yeah. He will tell you that he played terribly, but like he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Shut your fucking lips. Yeah, shut your lips. And, uh, which was quite good. And, I mean, Pat Bev is known to say some rogue shit, but he's just... Like, it, that is also not a good look. Like... Terrible. Like, everyone... He's got beef with just about every other point guard in the league. He doesn't need to go on national television and slander. No. Like, and especially someone of CP3's calibre. Fuck him. I'd, I reckon oh. he's recruiting his next job when he gets dropped out of the league. <laughs> as a head coach or general manager? Uh, no, as a taxman. Oh, no. Shit. Him and Stephen not. A. Jesus Christ. Uh, JJ Reddick goes quite good on... He's elite. His podcast yeah, is great too. Yeah, If yeah. you like the NBA, have a listen. Um, all right. Well, and oh, the draft lottery. OKC picking up the second and the 12th pick. Happy days. So who got first? The Orlando Magic. Yep. So you guys got second. I can't remember who got third. Uh, the Rockets. Rockets got I third. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento got fourth and Detroit fifth. Yeah, Detroit dropped to fifth, even though they had the equal highest odds to get first, didn't they? Yeah, so I joke, Dave was... Which actually, I think, happened to OKC last year. Yeah. We dropped down to five. Six. When, oh, to six when we... Got we yeah, where we were um, yeah projected to go, like, top two. Yeah, so um, I was chatting to Dave about it, Detroit fan, and I said, don't worry about not getting fourth because Sacramento will waste their pick like they always do and you just yeah. get the fourth pick on cheaper salary. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, yeah, and the bust of the draft is already taken out. Yeah, so the the mock drafts have OKC taking Shet Holgram second. Yeah, and that is pretty much based on the fact that they don't think Orlando will take, an, a, will take a big... Uh, isn't it? I no? Think, no, because the projected first is a power forward, power forward center. Oh, okay. Kevin Smith Jr., I think his name is. Oh, fair enough. But he's he's more of a he's a more all round like scorer and defender. Yeah, okay. Shet's purely offense. Yeah, no, he's not. Well, he's gonna get in the NBA. He's gonna have to be. He's gonna get bullied. Yeah. Honestly, hot take. I think Shet Holgram's gonna be a bust. Yeah, that is a mind. He, like, and he I, screams I, out Kelly Olynyk vibes to me. Oh, I don't think it's that bad. I, I just it's another white boy, really tall. Um. Yeah, but dominant I mean, but, he, but yeah, yeah, but Same Kelly Olynyk was never dominant on the defensive end. What about college? What about Frank Frank Kaminsky then? Oh fuck! When he took, he was also never dominant on the defensive end, even in college. So that then translated to him being a liability in the NBA. Chet Holgram is like one of the best defensive players in college ball. Uh, like he, he, like his skill set will translate eventually. It's gonna be rough his first year though. He needs the Zion diet. He is he is gonna have a rough first year trying to like beat down in the post with some of these bigger dudes. Oh, he's gonna get eaten. But moving forward, we're like him. It would be a good fit at OKC. Him, SGA, Giddy. Like he's gonna get minutes because you guys start Muscala. Yep. So him and Roby probably get the starting four and five. Well, I love Roby. Then Dort or Baisley plays three, probably Lou Dort. Lou Dort, surely. Then, and SGA at two, Giddy at the one. That's a good, young, solid lineup. You've got Baisley to come off the bench, Poku to come off the bench. Probably, and uh, Derek Favors picked up his player option today. Good. So he'll come off the bench. Bit of veteran presence. Yeah. I think they're building quite well. He'd be a good influence on... Cleveland um, landed um, a first round uh, a lottery pick as well, didn't they? 14th. Is it? Mm. I thought it was 8th. Nah. 14th? I think it's 14th. I had a giggle at the Lakers Sick. pick going in a reasonable spot. Oh, had, that was the one that went 8 they, they to had, New Orleans. They had to give that to New Orleans. And if it went higher, I think it had to go to Memphis. Yeah. Yeah, but it was literally like a 99.7% chance yeah, of th- going to New Orleans. I think I think it was like if it was 1. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, which, didn't that happen to them last year? No, not last year. The year they drafted Zion. Yeah, they... They were not expected to go even in the top five. They and they somehow one. just got all the way to one. Yeah, sounds rigged. So, anyway, we'll move over to the NRL. So, Magic Round recently concluded. Um, pretty good. A lot of good games of footy. A lot of blowouts, though. Yeah, which is surprising considering how wet and the condition of the field. Yeah. It held up pretty good considering. Considering the amount of rain, but... But, like, you could, there was definitely an end in towards the, like the Sunday games. That was more chewed up than the others. Yeah, and that's why you'd see a lot of the lot of the halves, a lot of the halves in the late Saturday and Sunday games. Each team would blow out each other, going one end. Yeah, it was always the team kicking to that same direction. So, an example of that Rabbitohs Warriors game, which is still like fairly early in the round. Yeah, that was that was, that sat- was a Saturday that game. Was Saturday the middle. Yeah, the middle Saturday game. Yeah, and you, I noticed it then. Every time the fullbacks, a lot of the fullbacks had let the ball go. Because they weren't getting, they weren't able to cover it as well. Yeah, and of course, some of that was the halfbacks in the five eights kicking it to a, to a spot. But there was hundred percent a spot where it was tough to move and cover as much ground as normal. Yeah, you could see guys uh, get like off balance and not really trusting um, their like first couple of steps. Yeah, um, which obviously massively affects the fullbacks trying oh, to cover space. So even uh, the wingers getting back, there was. Like it was, de- there was definitely a noticeable difference. But it was, it's two halves of footy. Most of the most of the games were pretty consistent with the weather, so you can't really blame it. Um, but it was honestly, it was pretty cool seeing the Broncos knock off Manly on the Friday night at home for Magic Round. Renault, yeah, Renault put on an absolute show. He, he was incredible. Oh my god! And hadn't he been so good? Like he and I genuinely think that if you take him out of the lineup, we turn into the twenty twenty Broncos. Yeah, and you, the noticeable difference I think from their run, not that running their, well, I guess their run of form the last three or four games is he started to run the footy more, like a lot more. Yeah, it, rather than just being the guy that kick it to a spots. Yeah, he, he well, starts, he's, 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 pick, he's digging into the line. He's he's picked up a few meat pies in the last few weeks too, like yeah. a couple of chip and chases to himself that are just unlike. Elite. Oh, so good. But yeah, he does. He takes the line on, commits defenders because they know that he's a legitimate threat going through the line. Yeah. So he commits the defenders and Corey Oates and Selwyn Cobbo are just licking their lips. 
Oh my goodness, Selwyn uh, Cobbo is a freak. I man. think to add to that, having that extra touch of Tamari Martin at the back, yeah, has definitely allowed him to do that a bit more. Gamble's done a job, yeah. I don't, but, and, uh, he's not their permanent six. Nah, but, but they interviewed him in the sheds after the game, and he said pretty much my only role is to take on the line. So like he's sort of playing as a five eight, I suppose, but he's kind of playing as an oh, nearly another center. Yeah, like just a center closer to the middle of the field. It's just doing a job, man. Yeah, like he's just carrying the ball. Take you know, attack the line as a bit of a threat and see how you go. Um, but yeah, no, great win. First round or a second time this year that I've tipped the Broncos game correctly. So happy days, mate. I was sitting five from five after Saturday. So I tipped the Broncos and Newey to I, win on I Friday tipped night as well. That was a good game. It's good. Good to see them get a win. Yep. I tipped South to beat New Zealand, which obviously happened. Yep. Same. I here. tipped the Titans. I also tipped the Titans and. I watched that game. It was a dreadful game of footy. Oh, I'm I'm glad they've picked Campbell at the back again. How good was he? He's been great. You know what is underrated about his game? His kicking game. Yes. His kicking game is awesome. The bombs and he, stuff he, that he was the, the up last, was so good. The last bomb that he got the knock on from, that was pretty lucky. No, that was a field goal attempt. No, no. He put a bomb. The one in Golden Point. No, no, before. Oh. He put a bomb up from his own th- 45, like around the halfway line. Oh, he yes, traveled yes, maybe yes. 25 meters. He got yeah. lucky there. But outside of that, it was but a great... But he was electric. His running game as well. There was a, a break that he made. It was a great halfway, for him. About halfway through the second, the second half. He was fucking phenomenal, man. Mate, he was so good. They've got some depth in the back line too, especially since they picked up Azaka. They dropped Marzu, who's been pretty good. Yeah. And they played Sami, who's been an origin winger. Yeah. They were going to play him on the wing, but then there was an injury in the centre. So Corey Thompson came back. Yeah. And Jermaine Asako, man, he's a good winger. Yep. He's he not a fullback's arsehole. But, no, oh, God, no. But he, having him on the wing, is, I think it's good. I, I like their depth. They've just got to stick with it. Yeah. And they signed... Well, Asako fucks off at the end of the year, though. Yeah, to Redcliffe. Yeah. And then, Did they, they signed someone else this week, didn't they? I'm not sure. But God, we're well-researched on this podcast. But I was just tight to sign Kieran Foran. Yes. To a two-year deal. Yeah. Which I think is cool. It's um, going to be interesting. We, we spoke about that last podcast. However, I did not realize the size of the contract. I think it's woo-woo. So when I, I first saw it, I saw that two years, 750 grand. Yep. And I thought, geez, that's a value signing. Why the fuck wouldn't Manly want to... Like, is it 750 a season? It's 750 a season. Surely a lot of that though is like incentives, like games played and whatnot. Oh, I mean, some of it might be, but like that's... Manly, Manly can only offer in the minimum. That's crazy money. I mean, like I know he's good. But he'll be a great mentor oh. for Toby Sexton. Yeah, he's not going to get a lot of game time. Well, Poor he might Tobes. just go back to the resives. He's only 19 or 20. It's not the end of the world. I actually don't mind the signing. Anyway. Yeah, no, I think it's a good signing as well. I just was flabbergasted at the size. Did you tip the Storm? I did not. Neither. I tipped the Panthers. I had Melbourne tipped earlier in the week. Um, but when they announced the late mail came through that Jerome Hughes was out, I then tipped Penrith. Yeah. Um, it was good to see the Raiders topple the Sharks. Yep, that fuck, that was the, my first loss. Same yeah, and then the next game was also my second loss. Correct. Um, and we, then we blew that game. Yeah, yeah. Parry didn't play very well. Joseph Suwali, did you see that take he took over out on the wing? Man, oh, I watched the whole game. Fuck me. I didn't for first unreal. try. Unreal. Um, the Sharks played shit, but I didn't. Parry played shit. Um, North Queensland played unreal. I think we might have spoken about it. I'm not even sure whether we spoke about it. Ruben Cotter is a freak. Yeah, we did. Oh my god! Here, Jer- oh man! I had Scott drink water first try, so when I seen Talungi flick it back in, how good was that? I was going off my tits. Holy! Thank you so much, Murray Talungi. But you should get dropped anyway for the hammer yeah. because he's tomorrow def- Martin. Oh, tomorrow Martin. Fuck me! Scott Drinkwater's playing really well. Yeah. So really I, well. the Cowboys. I've been saying this for a couple of episodes, but they need to pick Hammer on the wing. Talungi's fine. He's actually everyone's playing great. He makes a lot of bad defensive reads. And like this is pulling hairs because they're all playing great. Yeah. I still think the Hammer's got to be in their back line. And it's not going to be the other guys. It's, it has to be him. Yeah. No, I agree. Kyle, Kyle Felt's playing really well yep. as well. Um, and Peter Hooker's playing quite well. Yep. So, I oh mean, it's, it's a, it's a, a tough tough choice for the coach because they're all, they're all playing right. So, um, we saw a bit of movement in the top half, really. A few rogue results from this week. Um, so as far as the round 10 goes for Magic Round, we had six tip, uh, six from eight, which is pretty good. Um, so I finished second for the round with a margin difference of two. 
Nice. Bill picked one. Heesh. Got by one. Got out by one. So, um, but yeah, so starting to make a small comeback. But as a total, Angus Watson retains his position at number one. Shout out to Angus all the way shout in the out, UK. Shout out Gus. Nah, Grovey's dropped to two. Uh, with a pretty poor performance in round 10, only tipping four. Shaggers up into third, also only tipping four due to the fact that Sarah only tipped three. Nice work, Sarah. That is atrocious. I've got some breaking news for you, like in the last hour. Yeah, go on. Storm confirmed Bellamy will continue as coach in 2023. Wow. And speaking of coaching announcements, I've got a bone to pick with Canterbury. That is... So they've they've pretty much pushed Trent Barrett into... Resigning. Yep. Um, and I don't really know why they would have done that. So they've they've brought back Mick Potter, yep. who's like a club legend. Yeah. As an interim coach, which is fine. Yeah. But what's the need to fire Trent Barrett now? What is so the, so in his in his stint as Bulldogs coach? I understand won, the record. They've won five of, of his thirty six or something, and they've only won eight of their last fifty five games overall. However. I don't know that that can all be pinned on Trent Barrett. No, and this is going to cause a domino effect. So he's signed all his... He's signed Reid Marnie. He's signed Villani. So, well, before we even get into all of those, Brent Naden has already, already defected. He's gone so he's, to West. So, who play the Bulldogs this, this week? weekend? He's in their resis. Oh, well, I mean, he's been named on their team Jumper sheet. 19. He, oh, I think he's even later than that. But whatever. Like, he's, he's on their list now anyway. And... These are guys who came from Penrith to go to come and play for Trent Barrett. Yeah, so, so him and Matt Burton. Matt Burton is going to shop himself at the end of the year. He's gone. Matt Burton can sign a new contract first of November. Yep, he's they're fucked. He'll get way more money at a better club. Gone. You Why? know who should sign him? The Parramatta Eels, the Brisbane Broncos. Yeah, that'd be handy, wouldn't it? Imagine Burton and Renault. We have the money for that. I don't know that we've got the money. Well, for you that. think you think you're somehow you're getting Munster? Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, so c- coming across next year, they've got Reid Marnie, William and Kikau as well. Yeah. And now they haven't got their guy. Surely Penrith and Parramatta are going... And like any good manager with their grain of salt would have a clause in there. Mate, especially Parramatta. We're, looking, we're getting Hodgson next year. He's done his ACL. Yeah. We should be trying to push the issue of keeping Marnie. Yeah, it absolutely. Might, and it might cost us Madison. Yeah. But you make that deal. Yeah. Because Marnie is twice as good as Ryan Madison. For Parramatta, yes. Yeah. I, like, and, and, I mean, but edge back rowers, they're, they're growing trees, He's, he's been named at 13 this week. Brown's on the bench. Whatever. But, like, quality nines... Hard as. ...are hard to come by. And Reed Marnie's... Like, he's a state of origin nine. Yeah, he's top four. Yeah. The comp. Yeah. He is a state of origin nine. If the best hooker in the comp... Wasn't a Queenslander. He'd be playing Origin. Yeah, it's the top four would be Grant and Cook. Yeah, and then Coruscant and Marnie. Yeah, and actually, I, oh, I reckon Coruscant is a more consistent performer than Damien Cook. Coruscant, you just know what you're going to get. Yeah, Damien Cook, like because like he's a smaller guy, you know, sometimes can go missing a little bit, but then he's also on his day. He's near the best player in the comp. Yeah. So all right, Cookie. The thing with Bulldogs now is they are treading on the thinnest of ice. I don't understand how Phil Gould can say 14 days ago that Barrett's going to be at the club longer than I am. Yeah. And then... And then, yeah, and then two weeks later, back him into a corner. And if that's and not... If, that's, if Gould's not doing that, who is it? Yeah. Because if Gould's there to come and rebuild the club and they're over overpinning him in the same year, who the hell wants to go there? Not just players, coaches. Yeah. That's a coaching role that most coaches, especially ones that are new, you wouldn't take. Nah, and, and Craig, actually... And Craig my... Fitzgibbon shown you, you wait for the right job. Because he was he's the next he was the next big thing and there's clubs going after him and he waited and waited and waited and this is where I was actually talking to Dad about this the other day how there just seems to be this constant like revolving door in some clubs with coaches so you've obviously got places like Penrith Melbourne um, Manly Parramatta the Roosters guys like that who have been consistently good maybe not so much Parramatta but we've, the other we've, four we've had BA since 2013. Yeah, but like the other four, so Manly, Roosters, Penrith and Melbourne, they've had like so much stability in their coaching and it's because they've been good. Like because they're successful and like they're, and they're good coaches, those jobs are never available. So all of these new coaches are having to go into these shit roles 
Like, fuck, you got to go and coach the Warriors. So or you got to go coach the Knights. Like, they're just... A lot of these coaches are really struggling. And you're right. Fitzgibbon's be- paved the way. Oh, absolutely. If you're, if you're a good enough coach that you want to get chased, wait for the right role. Yeah. Stay as the assistant. Learn your craft, especially on one of those four. Yeah. Mate. And like... And he was at the Roosters for a long time. I don't Robo. And they... Yeah, he's one of the best coaches in the league. He could be the doesn't, coach doesn't, by the end of it. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really get spoken about enough, I don't think. But the Roosters' reign over the last 10, 10 years since he's been there has been phenomenal. Um, before we move on, I've just got a, a theory we want to cover. So you'll see the cheese and Munster rocking the bleached hair. Yeah. And so there's a there's quite a big theory, more so in the US, especially in the NBA. So when you see NBA players come back with bleached hair, it's, the theory is it's... it's due to the uh, drug testing. So when players bleach their hair, it, it supposedly it'll destroy the follicles and so they can't get the hair test because it won't have any... Because usually they'll do the hair test because it has the longest retention for what's in your system. Right. And so a lot of the a lot of the American sports like pundits reckon that players that come back with bleached hair, it's almost always timed after they go to their Cancun trip or their Ibiza trip or somewhere else. And every time I see a player with bleached hair, particularly the Cheese and Munster, who have been wrapped up in these kinds of things already, I think I know what's going on here. Boy, oh boy. I thought about that. That's interesting. Yeah, so delve into it further, do some dioring and look into the, the bleached hair theory, but I, I, you won't unsee it. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Jack Innovin for Collingwood. I know he's young, but <laughs> he's just done his hair. That's an interesting thought. Um, just keeping on the sport, we'll move on to the USPGA. So that starts on Friday. It's it's quite a long course. Um, I've got a couple of little tips for you, boys. I reckon either DJ or Bryson will take it. So the key to the course they're playing on, it's quite long. So the, the shots gained from T to fairway and, and, and um, or T to green will be huge. So like and. For a lot of the shorter hitting players, there'll be a lot of par fours where they hit driver and hit a long line in, which at that level isn't going to defer too much, but you can't control your shot as much. Whereas like, and you can see it in a previous playoff from 2017 at the Northwest Open, Dustin and Spieth played off and Dustin hit his driver 150 metres further. Spieth's hitting a, a, a six iron in and Dustin's hitting a, a wedge, which he can spin back and stop on a dime. Yeah. Um, I'd have a have a look at the odds. I got I chucked uh, fifteen on Dustin at twenty ones, and I chucked fifteen on Bryson at one hundred and one to one. Wow, he's always just going to be like in and around. The, like he's always going to be a smoky, isn't he? At one hundred and one to one, that is value. Chuck yeah. a tenner on it. Yeah. Or if you're not that game, look at the top twenties. He'll still be value there for Bryson, and maybe top ten for Dustin. But have a long hard look at Bryson because I know he's been off his game lately, but it's a major. He's one of those guys that'll... He, he crumbles at the Masters. It's a tight course. I think he'll be on here. Yeah. I reckon Bryson's on. Nice. Right, well, uh, it is currently uh, the local election at the moment. Now, I won't bore you with any election chat, but it has provided me with my story of the week. So I'm driving home from work, driving up Discovery Drive, and there's a garage, garage sale sign stuck in the median strip. And uh, I thought, oh, I wonder where that was for. Anyway, so... I've looked in my side mirror and it was a election core flute sign that had been cut in half and someone had just spray painted garage sale and their address on the back of it. Stake and everything. They just literally just hacked it straight up the middle and used the stake and sign as their which, garage sale which, sign. Which um, party was it? Labor. That's stiff. It should be like UAP. <laughs> also, how rogue are some of the people you got to vote for? Yeah. Have you voted yet? I did a, oh yeah, mine, I did a postal. I voted yesterday because I told them I was working. Yeah, no, I did a postal vote. And, oh, man, you got there were some rogue parties. Yeah, so I um, I went and voted yesterday. And, like, it's, it's, it's hard to vote. You get six preferential votes. I had one to nine, but your party preferential votes on your big white sheet of paper. You can yeah. get one to six or you can go through individually and go one to 12. Yeah. And these votes do count because it affects the funding for certain parties with certain elections and whatnot. And yeah. those parties will defect for one or the other. So if you don't, if you want to vote properly, you've really got to do your research. You really do. And for me, my research is asking dad. Yeah. And so I was in there yesterday and I kind of had a rough idea of what I was going to do, but there's just some 
just like ridiculous. Like the Drew Pavlo um, representation party. Do you know who what he does? No, and this Drew, is what I mean. I'll like, tell you what Drew Pavlo does. You know, so he's a university student, and he goes after China, um, China, like anti uh, anti Chinese rallies, and all these Chinese. It's down in Sydney, so all the Chinese people will storm his rallies, and like he'll not punch on, but he'll get like physically and verbally abused. Yeah, and there's there's another party. I can't actually remember what it is. It's like the. Uh, medical information party or something and it sounds like that they'll be really like pro-medicine and pro-research and no, doing all the right thing they're anti-vaxxers they're anti-vaxxers it's an anti-vaxxer party and, and it's like what <sighs> so that that party in particular as you said it's anti-vax the name as you said it's pro like medication and stuff yeah it's not really it's not pro medicine. It's like that. What they think they're doing is providing the uh, the sixth sense with medi- like medicine and un- yeah. No, it's all about like unveiling. The, yeah, like a f- yeah, freedom of information nearly, and like trying to but like, and they think they're informing people about. But medically you can dis- get that just, anyway. Oh fuck. Anyway, elections. How um, good? Yeah. So it's. I think it's going to be quite a big Labor victory, to be honest. You reckon? Yeah, you can bet on it, but. Like just to be like to be honest, they've both campaigned terrible. I absolutely agree. And it's I don't think Albo's going to win. I think Scomo is just going to lose. Yeah, he's made some of the comments he's made. The worst one he he made was during the twenty nineteen bushfires. He fired back at a reporter saying, "Well, it's not my job to hold the hose, mate." Probably shouldn't have said that, bro. Mm, yeah, that, and then the Hawaii holiday probably, during the flooding. Probably not quite, uh, not quite tasteful, was it? Yeah. Anyway, no more politics chat. That's not what we're about. Fair, very I'll, fair. I'll give it to you offline if you want. <laughs> well, all right, maybe at two a.m. in the morning. All right, we might wrap this one up. So thank you for listening, guys. Uh, we'll get a, we'll get a guest soon. We will, we will eventually. Um, but guys, in the meantime, feel free to inbox us. Uh, at Armchair Critics on Instagram or Armchair Critics at Outlook.com if you want to send us an email. Um, really appreciate the feedback and the ideas that you guys are sending me. Getting ideas now from Richard. So thanks, mate, even though you know we're recording. Um, and guys, we will see you next week.